Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Okay, welcome to another CI for Life podcast. Today's topic is a very exciting one. It's based on a couple of pieces of research, but it illustrates the importance of more meaning and emotional quotient to increase happiness, income, job satisfaction, and effectiveness. I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, Our regular listeners will know that we usually rotate between a personal continuous improvement topic and then a professional continuous improvement topic on these podcasts, but this one is definitely application for both. In uh, January 2013, the McKinsey Quarterly had an article by Susie Cranston and Scott Keller called Increasing the Meaning Quotient of Work. They argue that the most successful and best performing have IQ, intellectual quotient, EQ, emotional quotient, and MQ, meaning quotient. The authors say that while IQ and EQ are absolutely necessary to create the conditions for peak performance, they are far from sufficient. When a business environment, MQ is low, employees put less energy into their work and see it as just a job. That gives them little more than a paycheck. The executives interviewed in the study said that employees and teams that have IQ, EQ, and meaning quotient, or MQ, are five times more productive and effective. What's more, when they asked the executives to locate the bottlenecks to peak performance in organizations, more than 90% chose the MQ-related issues, the meaning-related issues the why, the purpose-related issues in companies. So let's look at that. Let's compare these findings from the McKinsey study with the recent survey that I'm doing on my website on www.ciforlife.org. Thanks to the 1,390 of you so far that have filled out the survey. Takes about, uh, what, uh, nine minutes, it says. It gives me feedback on. Most of the respondents are from the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the U.K. so far, but other countries as well. I'd love more uh, feedback and insight. Love to hit 1,500 respondents and beyond. Please go onto the website and fill it out. And so far, the respondents have actually highlighted. I ask in the last question, is this helpful for your own action plan and your own personal development journey? And the answer is yes. So uh, there's something in it for you as well. So the findings are far uh, are very interesting with regards to today's topic about meaning and emotional quotient or EQ and MQ. I'd like to share the findings, the key outcomes, and the key characteristics and key habits identified in the survey for the happiest and most effective people. Remember, the survey is trying to identify the characteristics and habits of the happiest and most effective people. And my premise is that it's happiness, not productivity, that leads to life success and true effectiveness. So here's the findings so far from the 1,390 people. Those at the happiest category compared to the lowest lowest categories of happiness have personal productivity that is 14% higher, effective relationships at work that are 20% higher, and job satisfaction that is 45% higher. And here's the kicker, and this is a little bit of surprise. Income is double for the group that is in the happiest. And it's not a million dollars, it's not $500,000 a year, but it is double. And I should clarify that I believe the data is saying that the happiest group earn more income because of their habits and characteristics and therefore develop happiness and not vice versa. 
It's the characteristics and habits of the happiest that lead to more success and more income and not the other way around. And certainly we believe you need a minimum level of base level needs taken care for happiness, for financial success. Um, but it's very interesting that the group that scores in the happiest categories over the lowest categories of happiness is double the income. Okay, let's d dig a little deeper on some of the characteristics and habits that drive this productivity and satisfaction. So I'm only going to mention the characteristic and habit if it's a majority vote from the most happiest group and if it's at least 25% greater than the comparison group or the lower happiest groups. For example, on the key question of comparing the very happiest to the below average in happiness, we find that 78%, which is a, a good majority, of the happiest people have a life purpose. And the gap between uh, the average, the lowest happiness group and the high is 34%, so easily over 25%. So the majority is above average, uh, the above average happiness group uh, practice or have a life purpose, and it's greater than 25%. So we're going to count those. So let me go through those that meet those criteria. What are the characteristics of the happiest? They forgive and let go, 43% more. They have a life purpose, 34% higher, as I just mentioned. They let go of discouraging events and are effectively able to move on 45% better. And they are content with life 78% better. That makes sense. So when I looked and tried to dig into the data and say, what are the personal habits of those that are calling themselves the happiest? And it's got to be a, you know, a majority and a 25% difference. There's these five habits. They have regular exercise and value it and do it. They have a great daily planning habit. They read for personal improvement, perform regular service to others. And this is the new one in the findings this week. Financial savings are at least modest or higher. And that's actually the largest uh, gap, 32% or the la largest gap between lowest and highest. So isn't that interesting? The habits of the happiest are exercise, planning, reading for personal improvement, service to others, and some security, some financial stability and security of savings. It doesn't necessarily how much, uh, how much money you make, but the savings that you have. All of these characteristics of purpose, forgiveness, letting go, contentment, and um, are highlighted as in this McKinsey study, and we call them emotional or meaning quotient items. So what can we learn from this? The McKinsey study saying that we need more EQ and MQ. This survey of the happiest people highlighting these characteristics of uh, that we would it would say purpose, forgetting, uh, forgiving, letting go, and contentment, all emotional quotient items. What can we learn from this? So first of all, I think there's lots of learnings here. Uh, but first of all, on a personal side, on the personal CI side, I think one of the things that's imperative kind of in our understanding, it's a combination of habits that contribute to higher levels of happiness and improved life outcomes. Let me say that again. It's a combination of habits. It's not just one habit. Uh, it's a combination of habits that contributes to higher levels of happiness and improved life outcomes. And by building these habits can lead you to these outcomes that we've discussed, including happiness. So again, we encourage you to think about a habit, you, one of those five that you want to improve on, Set a goal, track it, share it with the trusted advisor, and start improving it. Just pick one of them. 
Which one is it going to be? Exercise, daily planning, which then could feed a whole bunch of other habits, service to others, savings, reading. Pick one that you think you can stick to, build and improve on and set your goal to increased outcomes of happiness, satisfaction, etc. So organizationally, there's another interesting uh, learnings and outcomes here. And there's lots here, but let me just share a couple thoughts. So it's apparent we need more emphasis on emotional and meaning personal development, not just intellectual or skill building of other kinds. If you want to employees with higher job satisfaction and effectiveness, we need more training and development in both of these areas. Let me share with you a couple application ideas uh, that I've seen um, and a couple of stories behind it that might be illustrative and so that you can think how you can apply it. Leaders, when you pitch your vision or managers, when you're taking over a project or a group, make sure you share the why, why this is so important. Make sure you share how this has meaning to your employees, your community, all the stakeholders. For example, my very first client 31 years ago as a young consultant was a young sawmill supervisor named Greg. He was a great athlete and loved to compete and win. Greg and I spent many night shifts together at the plant trying to figure out how to advance performance. So fast forward 30 years later, as I caught up back with Greg 30 years ago, he had advanced from supervisor to superintendent to plant manager, and he'd stayed at the same sawmill in in the beautiful Okanagan for that long. The plant, as it turned out 30 years later, was one of the top performing sawmills in its category in North America. And he did, and the plant did, at least two extraordinary things that I can tell. He always had employee and management meetings. He rarely skipped a weekly employee meeting and a monthly management business review for 30 years. Clients are always asking us, how do we build sustainability? How do we build sustainability in the change management processes? Well, have high quality performance management management meetings daily, weekly, monthly is the answer. Talk about consistency. Talk about sustainability. So the other learning from Greg is this idea, uh, after you get over the thought of how do I build sustainability, keep these performance reviews happening. But he also made a, a great commitment to teach meaning. Every meeting that he had, he would draw the employees into the business and help them care about its performance. He would share the details, both financially, production, to union employees on a weekly basis. And as a result, the plant took great pride and meaning in trying to become the best sawmill. He would take customer feedback into his meetings, both good and bad, about the product. He built pride, meaning, and loyalty to this site. They took great pride in being number one. I think it's one of the reasons he never left, despite being offered other positions at other plants. My favorite line that he ever said in a weekly employee meeting was when he passionately shared with his employees that they don't just make lumber. It's interesting, you know, when you're a tech company or when you're an Apple or a Google and changing the world or Tesla, it's easy to develop, easier to develop meaning and purpose in your work. But what if you're just a sawmill? What if you're just a manufacturing site? Greg used to passionately teach his employees that you don't just make lumber. They provide shelter for the less fortunate. And he would talk about the Habit for Humanity, Habitat for Humanity project in the local town that the company was donating to. He would talk about how their product helped people's lives, how people accomplish their dreams of being a homeowner. Greg did establish a culture of meaning and pride by connecting the company's product to why it benefited society and the customers and themselves. 
a great example of developing meaning at work. I hope you can think of applications in your own team or your own site or your own company. And then finally, an or the second application area I'd like to come back to is the emotional intelligence side. At RLG International, we do a lot of work with capital projects, big, expensive capital projects. All our research and those of other benchmarking firms, one of them in particular I'm going to cite is called IPA or Independent Project Analysis, suggest we need more leaders with more emotional intelligence to lead our, lead our large mega capital projects. The track record internationally for large mega construction projects is not good. All the research is pointing to the difference leadership makes and particularly leaders who have high emotional intelligence. Those who are open to listening to all stakeholders concerns, not just their own employees. Most of these construction jobs are done with contractors and many, many, many contract companies. So if the owner group or the owner senior project director is just listening to the shell group or the small group of employees that the owner group has, you're going to block out and uh, um, cause a lot of discontent in large contractor groups. So it takes a lot of emotional intelligence to deal with all the stakeholders, all the issues, um, all the touch points and communication touch points involved with a large mega. They, some of these projects are running between 10, 15, 20, 40 billion dollar budgets. And they have thousands of contractors working for them. It needs extraordinary leadership in order to pull this off. In one IPA study of 56 mega projects across various industries, only seven of those 56 met project goals. And of the seven, the key characteristic, the differentiating factor from success to failure was great leadership. And the top characteristic of great leadership was emotional intelligence. You can imagine when you're working with these different contractors and organizations and thousands of employees, how difficult it is if you aren't able to deal with conflict, conflict resolution, listening, openness to other people's ideas. You have to be able to do that very well. And that's all wrapped into emotional intelligence. So I know there's applications outside of construction as well. That's just one example that on top of my mind Hopefully you can think of others where increased leadership and emotional intelligence pays big dividends in your company or project success. We need more leaders with emotional intelligence. When was the last time you saw on an HR company's list for hiring emotional intelligence versus just background and experience? And yeah, I hope these ideas are valuable to you to think about on a personal level for meaning and emotional quotient and on a professional level. Thanks for listening. Good luck. Hope you find some application here. Please go to my website and take the survey as I've already mentioned. I know you'll come up with ideas for personal improvement in your own life. Also remember that on September 15th, I'll be publishing the book called Live Your Purpose, a step-by-step -step guide to enhance your meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and happiness. And please go on to my website and subscribe. Those that are subscribed as of September 15th, I'll send a link to the first few days the the ebook is actually going to be offered for free only for a limited amount of time so get on there and subscribe so until next time live a life of sustainable continuous improvement goodbye